with Dave Nelson. Uh, we've got a bit of exhibition games going on right now, training yesterday, arrival day. Can you walk me through how the first three days have kind of felt for you from your perspective? Yeah, so far everything's gone really smooth. Uh, the guys have had a great attitude and um, worked really, really hard the first day. So uh, their bodies are probably feeling a little bit sore, a little bit sluggish. And, um, you know, playing in the, the games we're playing today, the weather's really really cold five six degrees so it's very challenging mentally for him which is which is a good workout it really was about pace that's what I gathered from it yesterday everything even me watching training it was like wow everything's moving at a fast pace tempo you you didn't ease into anything I think that's exactly what Russell said at the start of it but that's obviously quite intentional that day one was kind of always going to be like that yeah it's intentional you know they had to come into this camp in shape which they all did and you know we, we want to practice at at a pace that is at that high level game speed where um, you know it can feel quick for a lot of reasons one the athletes are better but also just the pressure of, of the situation the environment can can really um, speed the game up so it's important that for the most part everything we do we do it over speed which really challenges them physically but also mentally there are some guys on this roster that have never been to a senior men's tournament before um can you notice how special it might be for them and and um I'll, I'll throw out some names in a minute there and you can maybe tell me why what broke them onto the team but can you tell how special it is for them yeah you really see it away from the field you know you see them mingling with the the veteran players or the players who've been through it before and you can just see how special it is how pleased they are and how excited they are to be here and and how much of a, just a privilege it is for them to come to their first one and and how special that is. You really see it at the hotel when they're having dinner and just, just a one-on-one -on -one time. Obviously at the field, they, they, they have a bounce in their step, but um, every player does here. So there's not too much separation there. Maybe a little bit of nerves, a bit of anxiety, but that's to be natural. And that's all part of, of coming camp early, just trying to work through that. I know one of the big excitements of especially the tail end of the ABL season was trying to figure out as a fan, just guess who's going to be on this team. And there was no easy decisions, it looked like, because there's a lot of players having good years. Was that a challenge for you to just select these 30 guys and get it down to that pool? Yeah, it's, it's a two-edged sword. You know, I really enjoy making that phone call and letting guys know that, you know, they've been selected. Um, the other side of that is there's is extreme disappointment and by far the worst part of my job is communicating with players that haven't made the roster, um, players that s some are right on the edge or some that have been around a long time and um, have contributed a lot over the years. Um, it's a really difficult period. There's no easy way through it. Um, um, but yeah, there's, there is an exciting part and it's always interesting to see the players' performance those last two or three weeks of the ABL. When did you make your final decision on that that thirty man roster that was coming? Probably not till after the the last ABL championship game. Really? Ab really? Absolutely. Our coaching staff we communicated uh, quite regularly. Um, you know, as we got closer to the to the playoffs, it was at least at least once or twice a week, and I would send uh, messages to the group around their thoughts on individual players, thoughts on on the tournament of, of how the makeup of the team because it's very easy to look at one player and think well he should be on the team but then when you look at other dynamics of the team maybe his role or that spot isn't as clear as it would be um, you know but you know I wanted to be I want to be true with the guys I want to be honest with the guys I always tell them how they perform in the ABL is very important to me um, 
and I, I want to go with the guys that are hot. So, you know, when you look at that, that final series, we had a, a pool of about four or five, six different athletes that, that you know, two weeks or at the completion of the ABL, we were still discussing. And, you know, to see Jake Bowie and um, Jordy McArdle step up like they did, it was very difficult to to not select them with, with the way that I go about picking a team. And the downside of that was there's um, athletes that, you know, got the short end of the stick. Um, so I wouldn't say it was exciting. Um, <laughs> it, was a, it was a difficult process. Um, unfortunately or fortunately, I'm not sure. I think it's a bit of both. You know, we were eliminated with Brisbane a week before, which was extreme disappointment, but um, it did allow me to have a little bit more of a hyper-focus on on certain things that last week and it allowed me to watch the championship series through a different lens but I really leaned on the experience of, of not not just the coaches but certain people around Australia watching the ABL that I I um, trust and, and respect their opinions and you know ended up with the team I have. I mean there's there's members of all these different teams and clubs and backgrounds and associations on your coaching staff from around the Australian Baseball League that are here so were you having that constant dialogue whether it be with somebody like a Chris Adamson in Adelaide or maybe a Shanner's in Melbourne or just like seeing what's going on and being like hey how about this guy what do you guys thought what are your books are the discussions thinking about this moment during that season yeah well first of all there's veteran players that I that I trust True. we have the two captains we have yeah. Tim Atherton and Tim Canelli. Um, and I try not to take away from their ABL season because they're trying to perform with their clubs and I, I try to make sure that it's not too much of a distraction. So I speak to the players. I, I then have, obviously, with me in Brisbane, I have Jim Bennett, Shane Watson, Melbourne and Graham Lloyd, Chris Adamson, um, and there are a few other uh, key people around the country that I bounce a lot of ideas off of. Um, and we were in constant communication and, and a lot of my questions were very challenging. You know, they were very challenging. There was no simple answers you know sometimes i'd shoot a random message saying hey we've got three guys who's your guy and in this in a specific situation i would ask a specific situation and um you know so it's very challenging on the, on them i'd make them um individually um you know make some decisions on their own and not full full knowing that i had to make the last decision um, but i wanted to make sure that when i did make my final decision that um it, it it had a lot of thought into it, and I really did my due diligence, um, so that when I do when I do pick it, that I'm I'm sure on what I'm doing. I mean, this was you look through the roster, and it's exciting if you've been following Australian baseball over the last you know year or so, because all these players appeared in our home professional league at some point, so fans know them. But I know there's players that are playing overseas as well, or players that didn't play in the ABL. Some players. Um, not necessarily on the team, but how much how do you look at guys that aren't necessarily playing in the ABL and, and figuring out where they fit into the equation? Well, you start with a really big list, you know, and you, you, you don't you don't rule anyone out. And and you know, I, I said to the player, the coaches all along, we just got to ride this out. We got to let it kind of evolve, and there'd be ups and downs of performances throughout the ABL, which is natural. Players um, have that, and um, you know, you have professional players. Some weren't available for different reasons. They're at certain parts of their career where, um, you know, maybe to the fans, they may say, why isn't this guy on the team? Well, uh, maybe he wasn't available because uh, he was um, coming back from an injury or maybe he was just at that real crossroad of his career where he had to make a really difficult choice, which, which I fully supported. Um, and then you have the Liam Hendricks situation and, you know, that was difficult for him personally. Um, 
you know, we were all looking forward to spending some time with Liam, and he, he messaged me this morning again, just want to know how the camp's going, how the guy's doing, um, you know, so he was all in, um, you know, and, and our, our thoughts are with him, and um, we know he'll be watching every pitch. Um, but yeah, it's such a, such a long process, and, and my job is just to make sure that every player that was available for a selection um, was given the, the, the time that we discussed every part of it. So was it a bit of a relief when you get to the hotel and there's no more if, ands, buts, maybe this guy, maybe that guy. The guys are chosen, the guys are on the plane, the guys are here, they're in Fuchu, they're training, they're at the hotel, they're interacting. That element's gone. Now you can just focus on... I don't want to call it the fun stuff, but it's the business the business side of things, I suppose. Oh, it's the fun stuff. <laughs> it's, it's, it's by far the fun stuff. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of heartache. A lot of long hours for a lot of different people. Not just me, but people behind the scene who you really don't... Their names aren't mentioned. Um, and the best thing we can do is, is um, just represent them. You know, I speak to the players about reaching out to coaches they've played for in juniors and... Uh, individually we all have so many uh, people that have contributed to our own development in the past but also the team has had so many individuals on and off the field contribute in so many different ways that you don't hear about their names um, so we we have that uh, responsibility or that understanding we we represent everyone and so with that we want to make sure we do the best we can but back to your question uh, that first day of camp is it's, it's such a it's such a great time you know it's such a it's such a cool time, you know, there's been so much um, anticipation around getting together. Um, so you sort of get together, it's just, just it's, it's a, a wonderful time, but then, you know, you flick that switch and a day later you're in, in full training mode. Tournament baseball, everyone's telling me how it's a different beast when I ask the question how tournament baseball is different. And the pace keeps coming back to it, but for you, how is tournament baseball different than your typical 40 game, 162 game, 80 game, whatever season you watch as a fan, how is this sprint different in terms of baseball compared to, to a big season? Well, your preparation is different. First of all, um, you know, you're playing a different international team on a daily basis. You know, I go back to the Premier 12. We played a night game in, in Chiba um, and against Team Japan, and we didn't get back to the hotel until one thirty in the morning. Um, next day, 12 o'clock noon, we're playing the Tokyo Dome against Mexico. And every game, every game is as important as the other, and you may not know till 10 o'clock that next morning who's pitching for Mexico. You know, so there's a lot of variables around it. You, you may not know, um, you know how things have lined up for you because you don't know what's going to evolve the game before. So um, there are a lot of short turnarounds. There are a lot of different results. Um, you have to try to keep up to date on a day-to-day -day basis on performances of other players. Um, and that's where you just seem, you, you seem really short on time and you have to make as much planning um, ahead as possible. But unlike a 162-game season or a 40-game season where you have a, a kind of a good understanding of who the, who the other teams are and who, what they're going to do and, and what sort of rotation they're on, all those things, a lot of that's out the window, you know. And um, I really have to go with, with my heart and, and my mind as to who I think is the best person for a certain at-bat um, starting in the first inning. And it's just that's as simple as I can make it. There is no kind of, well, let's get through five or six and see where the game's taken us, you know, and let's let, well, let's just hold this back or, or save this guy for tomorrow because there is another tomorrow. It sounds so scrappy. Like it's just like a kind of a dogfight from, from the start of it and almost everything that everyone has to do. Well, you, you try to get the players to just go play the game. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't so much get caught up in that process that maybe the staff do or the coaches do. Um, you know, they, 
the guys on the bench need to be ready a little bit differently. You know, the, you talk about potentially pinch hitting in the second inning or, or pitchers, you know, being warm while someone's out there in the first inning. So that's not going to happen in a, in a regular season for the most part unless someone has an injury. It, you know, so, so it's totally different in that point of view. You hope the game just rolls out and goes smooth, but you're playing against the best players. That's just not going to happen. I guess they leave all the thinking for you and your staff, and when it comes down to it, it's a pretty simple game, right? You want to score more than they do, and you want to not let them score too many runs. And if you can do both those jobs pretty well, things are going to work out. That's where the complicated stuff slips in. Though. Yeah, well, in these tournaments, scoring runs is difficult. You know, Historically, it's difficult to score. Very rarely do you get to face a guy twice as a hitter, and, and, and a lot of times you're facing a guy you've never seen before. So, so that first at bat, you, you really got to battle through um, a bit of a surprise factor as who you're facing, and a lot of times your, your bat has come and gone before you have a good feel of who he is, and then you got to face another guy, and and that just keeps happening every at bat, and it's kind of the same thing for pitchers, and you know we we just have to trust the player's ability, they have to trust their ability, and. Again, we just need to try to slow the game down as much as we can, and that comes from preparation. Slow it down while going fast. That does not sound like an easy thing to do. Well, again, you just prepare the best you can. You know, you prepare the best you can, whether you're playing a club ball game or ABL or even the big leagues. When the game speeds up on you, there's nothing you can do to slow it down, so you always try to be ahead of that, um, and you try to identify a situation before it happens or... You're always thinking two or three innings ahead. As as a manager, a lot of these games, I'm I'm not I'm sort of watching the moment, but my thought is like two or three innings down the track, um, anticipating what may happen and trying to prepare for that. And I keep hearing. I mean, I've seen it in media stories. I've seen it around. I've seen Willow talk about it. That there's that belief there that Australia can be one of the best, if not the best, tournament baseball teams in the world. It's a whole different battle for it. Is that always the ambition to achieve for the the, the, the best and see where you go? Well, I think the tournament allows for that. You know, the tournament allows for a team that's playing well to have success. <laughs> you know, whether that's Japan, whether it's USA, Mexico, or Australia, if you're playing well, if you're executing well, if, you, if you're, you, you're performing in that right moment, you know, during that specific time, there's a good chance you're going to have success. And and for the most part, athletes are very similar. You know, they're very similar. They're all competitive. So you try to you just you just hope the team peaks at that right moment. And I guess that's what this is all about right now is trying to build to the team hopefully peaking on March 9th to whenever the the, the tournament goes for Australia. Yeah, ebbs and flows. You always. As, as a coach and even as players, you always hope they have that 100% performance, whether they're practicing or whether they're doing a practice game like today or playing in a game. But ultimately, we're in a phase now where, um, you know, mistakes are going to happen. And you just want to make sure the mistakes are happen aggressively, that you're doing the right thing, you're not being defensive, you're not, you're not backing off, that you're actually uh, making that mistake, preparing to get better. So I've got a few questions for you, Dave, from uh, a few fans out there. And uh, to lead into this one, first off, when when was your first time that you were part of a Team Australia national program from whatever age that might have been? Yeah. As a player, I Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good question. A little history story. Uh, until 1997, if you signed a professional contract, it didn't matter whether you played one day of professional baseball or not. You couldn't play for your country. So that was prior to 1997. Um, well, I, was, I signed a professional contract when I was just turned 17 and I was playing in the big leagues when that rule changed. So for me, in 1995, two years prior to that rule change, there was an event in Japan, um, a team from Korea, Australia, Japan and, and um, Taiwan. 
uh, it was a bit of a friend, friendly Asian series and that was the first time you know that I recall um, having that jersey on and being around a group of guys it was, it was a wonderful time went to Fukuoka amongst other places and yeah, 1995. So that's almost 30 years ago. So the question here, and this is from Jackson, is does it ever get old or boring or do you get used to putting on the Team Australia uniform or does it always have that, a special feel to it? Always has that special feel. Absolutely. It doesn't matter what day it is, what the camp is, what the tournament is. You're still carrying the nation. You're still representing the nation. Um, it's a special time for players. It's, it's their time. Um, to be coach or a manager, it's a special time. That's not going to last forever. And, um, you know, no one's entitled to the jersey. It's kind of like the best players at that time. And um, absolutely, every time you're in a camp or putting a jersey on, it, it's as special as the time before. So the exact phrasing of it was, does it ever start to wear off? So the guess the answer is never, never. If it does, you need to get out of here. You need to become a fan. And, you know, um, there's going to come a stage where all of us are just, you know, supporters following Team Australia. Great. And, uh, and more on you as a kid growing up. Who was your favorite MLB team? This is from Roger, by the way. Favorite MLB team, if you had one, a player growing up, anybody you idolize that can be in Australia or in the United States. Yeah, growing up, um, number 14, Pete Rose. I, I, I was remember being a young kid watching late at night on uh, TV, 2 in the morning. We didn't have much coverage back then, and I think it was CNN or one of the American stations would come on at midnight, and I saw Pete Rose get his hit, and uh, I was really gravitated towards that. So that's that's why I, I went number 14, was just following in that sort of Pete Rose. He's always uh, been someone I admired. Um, and then in my teens, probably everyone... Uh, I sort of hung out with following Seattle for a few years, you know, the Mariners, when they're in the Kingdom and pre-Ken Griffey days when they weren't really a team. I, I, I can't really put my finger on why that was my team. Um, but then when I signed with the Brewers when I was 17, uh, everything kind of changed. And I, I, for the most part, have been a one-team one, uh, person. Uh, I worked with the Diamondbacks for one year. Uh, my son's born in Arizona. We spent a lot of time in Arizona, so... Uh, have friends with Arizona Diamondbacks, so that's probably like a second, my close second team. Um, but you know, to this day, I still I still do some part-time work with the Brewers. And as I said to someone the other day, I'm, I'm in my um, my fifth decade of of working with the Brewers, so that's my team. Yeah, and Andrew T wanted to know is like when and how do you watch MLB baseball? Like, what do you look for? I mean, I'm watching it because I'm cheering for the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm sure it's not that fandom thing necessarily. It's more personal stories, or how how do you watch MLB baseball? Apart from when, when I'm in like Team Australia mode and I'm kind of thinking, oh, we might be playing that guy soon. Apart from that, which most of my time is I'm watching MLB through my kids' eyes. I've got, a, I've got five kids. My youngest is, is 12. My oldest is 24. And um, just to see, you know, the, the fan and how much they follow players. So I really get engaged with, with my kids following the game. And that can be everything from... You know, Manny Machado to to um, Scherzer to anyone really. So I kind of follow every team, but again, the Brewers are my my team. And do you have, so is that who's your tip for uh, for World Series this year? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, yeah, I think look, the Mets Mets I think uh, put themselves in a pretty good position. Um, one question coming in from Bradley about the the catcher group. Just wanting to know uh, what qualities you looked for really in in selecting these these three catchers that we have on our team. 
Yeah, I have a really good mix. So I have three three totally different catches. Um, Robbie Perkins has developed. He's at that stage where, you know, put COVID aside, he was at that stage. Alan D. San Miguel had run the team for close to a decade. And, and uh, you know, Robbie was the next guy in line to be our number one. And, and he probably still is. And then right behind him, we have Alex Hall, who's just won the Helms Award, 20, 20, 22 years old, professional player. Um, but Alex is right there knocking on the door to be the number one. And then my third catch was Ryan Battaglia, um, and, and his role on the team, when you look at the last five or six years, um, the biggest games have been played or won by Team Australia. He's been catching. So he has that experience. Um, if I have to put someone in a game in the ninth inning where our season or the tournament's on the line, I want to make sure I'm putting a guy out there who's been there. It's not fair to throw some young guy. I mean, fans and everyone wants to see this youth movement and all that. Well, that's good. And you know, But when you're in, in the thick of the moment, you want to have someone who's a little bit... Um, hardened and, and that's who uh, Ryan Battaglia is so uh, he, he won't play much it'll be, the, it'll be the main two but if the game goes a certain way where we have to pinch hit or there's an injury and we got a defensive guy coming in to run the staff um, he's going to be that guy. I mean you talk about the next generation there's quite a few next generation guys that are making their debut right here but there's also some guys and fan favorites that uh, aren't on the, on the team right now or haven't or aren't playing baseball anymore even one of those is Ryan Searle who has been a big time fan favorite from Team Australia Faithful um, so who is going to replace Ryan Searle as a closer or that big inning guy? Well, I don't think you replace Ryan So You don't replace anyone. you just got to look at what you have and evolve. I think from a pitching staff point of view, Ryan had a good run there, um, really successful in the, in the closing role in the ABL and in the Premier 12. He had a couple of opportunities. you know. So having that experience is hard to replace. I think that'll evolve. I think the game will take that way. As it stands right now, I don't have a closer. Um, you know, I have 10, 12 days to, to figure that out. But ultimately, the most important out maybe in the fifth inning you know the most important out maybe in the seventh inning so to to limit someone to that ninth inning I don't think would be in the best interest of Team Australia um, the, the final three outs of a game without a doubt are the toughest three outs in all of baseball um, you know getting that ball in the ninth inning with the lead a one or two run lead is totally different from the fifth inning um, just because you're that close to the end of the game but I'm just going to see where the game takes me and um, whether it's the fifth inning, fourth, seventh or eighth, uh, try to have our best matchup in that situation. feels like if Team Australia is going to be successful, it means that every one of those pitchers, and the hitters to a point too, but every one of that pitching staff is going to have their big moment at some point. Well, everyone's going to have to contribute, no doubt. Everyone's going to have to uh, be put in an uncomfortable situation. Everyone's going to have to pitch in a big situation. Everyone's going to have to get a, a big out. Defense is going to have to be solid. That goes without saying. If you don't play solid defense, you're going to put too much stress on the on the pitching staff. And, and that that's uh, most times at this level hard to overcome. Um, and as far as the hitters go, someone's just got to get a big hit. No one's going to, no one's going to have a great tournament hit four or 500. It doesn't happen. But someone has to get that big hit. Well, Dave, this is the last question here. It's from Tyler, and you're a Brisbane guy. And all this question was, and I'll just word it as it was written in here, was baseball in Brisbane Olympics? Question mark. Don't know what that means, but I guess uh, we can all kind of speculate. You know, we would love to see baseball in the Olympics, I'm sure. But talk about, I mean, you're an Olympian. Yeah. What was your Olympic experience like? Oh, wonderful. It's, it's, a, it's a fantastic time. It's, it's a, again, it's a great honor. And as you get older, you appreciate it even more. Uh, 2032 Brisbane. Obviously, I'm from Brisbane, so it's really uh, cool to see what's happening with the city there. 
see that's evolving, the excitement that's already starting to build. Um, we still got hope for baseball. We're still really hopeful. Uh, fingers crossed we can get it done. And um, we've got some tough other sports that are going to challenge us for that spot. But, you know, right now uh, it looks pretty strong. Hopefully it'll be in the Olympics in 28 in LA. And, and um, hopefully that can be a good enough performance where they uh, keep it in Olympics for 32. But I think we've still got a bit of waiting to do on that one. What can the Olympic sport or the Olympics do for a sport in terms of the profile in a, in a country where we know baseball's not number one, but what, what could the Olympics do for something like that? Well, first, first of all, f- for a smaller sport like us in Australia, um, the resources we have, it'll be facility development. Um, you know, yeah, the team will have some funding to prepare for the Olympics, obviously, um, but I think that the most part is just when you're part of that Olympic mix and you, and you have facility development, venues, um, competitions and stuff like that. It just creates more opportunity that we don't normally have and we generally don't have the resources to do on our own. Love it, Dave. Thanks for uh, taking some time to answer some questions. I'm sure we'll talk to you later in the tournament. Uh, Anything that you'd like to say that you think the people should know about what's going on at training camp right now? Well, guys are doing good. Um, Training camp has been awesome. Um, Keep the questions coming. We always always want to help the fans out. It's difficult for fans because they don't really know what's going on behind the scenes and, and things don't always look they don't appear as they really are so um you know we love the support hope they'll follow us and uh again keep the questions coming yeah keep if you want and you're listening to this click it through on social media even if it's direct we can probably get the answer for you in some way the whole team accessible dave nelson back to the game thanks for joining me all right thank you